We studied the Mishnah that gives ten tefachim as the minimum depth of a boar that will kill an animal. Uh, less than that can harm an animal, but uh, it has to be ten or more in order for the one who dug the pit to be liable if the animal dies. Now, we had a machloket, Rav and Shemuel, about what actually um, would kill an animal in such a pit. Rav says it's the fumes, not the impact. Right, so we're focusing on the fumes. Shemuel says either or. It could be killed either from the fumes or from the impact. All right, that's if it's 10 or more. Um, now, if it's less than 10, what we just said um, right before uh, at the end of the daf is that there is hevel. If it's 10 or more, then the fumes will be a lot and can kill. Um, but if the depth of the pit is less than 10, then there are still fumes, but they're not enough to kill, but they will cause damage. And so that explains the difference. Under 10 will cause damage. More than 10 will even kill. What we're going to discuss now until the next Mishnah is, what about in terms of impact, right? If you do take into account impact, which Shemuel does, um, then over there, is there also a difference between 10, uh, uh, more than 10 and less than 10, right? Does less than 10 do anything? Does it even cause damage? We're going to see Rav Nachman seems to say yes, but we're going to have three challenges against Rav Nachman, and we're going to end up saying uh, no, that actually has to be 10 in order, not only in order to kill, but even to cause damage if it's from impact. So here we go. Some person had an ox that fell into a water channel um, that was one ama deep. And uh, so now it got damaged. And so the owner decided he's going to slaughter it and eat the meat because he was afraid that it would die. And if it dies, then it's not kosher and then it's worth very little money. So while it's alive and kicking, he slaughters it and then he assumes that he can at least eat the meat. However, he took it to Rav Nachman after he slaughtered it to ask, and Rav Nachman said, what happened to it? It fell, it fell in this, uh, in this, uh, um, uh, this like an aqueduct, was generally one cubit, six uh, hand breaths deep, um, only six hand breaths, that's less than ten. And Rav Nachman saw it and said, wait a second, if it fell, it might have gotten an injury such that would make it a terefa, that it would not, uh, that it would, uh, it would die within 12 months. And therefore, this is, this is taref, this is not kosher, sorry, you're not allowed to eat it, and you lost the major value of the animal. Okay. Nachman reflected about this man and he said, if only the owner of this ox would just pay a little bit of money for a cup of flour, take some bread, and go to the Bet Midrash. And then, if you just, in other words, if you just spent a little time in the Bet Midrash, it wouldn't cost him much, just the amount of bread that would sustain him uh, in the meantime. If he went to the Bet Midrash and learned a little, he would learn the halakha that when an animal um, uh, trips, um, all you have to do is wait 24 hours from the time. If it tripped at 3 p.m., wait till the next day at 3 p.m. And if the animal is still alive, then you can assume it is healthy. And then you would then it would be kosher if you slaughter it after that. Um, it would not be taref. That's the test. And so then it would not I would not have to declare it taref. And um, he would uh, gain a lot of money um, that, that this, the, the uh, kosher animal, uh, kosher animal meat is worth many cubs. So if you've just had little patience and the patience would have cost him just a little bit of bread till, till he waited that long, um, uh, you know, if he should have come and asked me before or learned this himself and waited 24 hours and then the animal and then the meat would have been kosher. But he rushed into it and now we can't do that 24 hour test. So therefore it's taref. That's the story. What did we learn from the story? It means that there is significant impact even if the hole is less than 10 tefachim uh, deep. Here it was only one amal, only six tefachim. And yet Rav Nachman said, well, we have to worry that there could be uh, some internal damage to the, some of the organs, even from falling uh, a short amount, or just only six tefachim. And we have to assume it, very, it can be uh, terefa because of that.
So there you go. That's the, that's the thesis that we are deriving from Rav Nachman. In the end, we're going to reject this. But first, we're going to we're going to ask three questions. He's where Rava is asking Rav Nachman from our Mishnah. It says if there was less than ten tefachim of depth in the pit and an animal fell on it and died, the one who dug the pit is not liable because it's unusual for a pit that's uh, so shallow to kill. Now, what is the reason why he is not he's not liable? Is it not because there's no significant impact um, if it's less than 10 tefachim? And therefore, just like we assume it doesn't kill, um, it also should not cause it to be a terefa, uh, the type of injury in that case. And that would uh, go against Rav Nachman. And we answer not necessarily. The reason why the owner, the digger, is not liable is because if it's less than 10, there's insufficient fumes. And so we're going to follow Rav here. That's not because of impact, but rather because of fumes. Wait a second, then how come the Mishnah further says that if it got injured in less than 10, um, then one is liable. Doesn't that mean that there are fumes? And the answer to that is, uh, there, the, there's, no, there's not enough fumes to kill it, but there are enough fumes to damage it. Same answer as was said before. Uh, considering that, we're going to end up rejecting this. It's not clear if the Amarle belongs here. Uh, some versions don't have the Amarle, and it may be a, uh, a, a copy from what, before, what came before. The point is that Nachman could say this, within this line of reasoning. Okay, so in other words, um, from this uh, source, it could be, uh, the, the damage can simply be from fumes. It doesn't say that it, had, that it was because of impact. And so if there's a 10 or more of depth, then Mishnah, according to the Mishnah, one is liable because that's enough fumes to kill. If it's less than 10, then that's enough fumes to cause injury. But we can't learn anything from here about impact because uh, we there's no um, uh, there's, we don't need uh, to uh, assume that the damage here happened because of impact. So um, this is uh, we solved this challenge to Rav Nachman. Okay, so Rav Nachman is back. Yeah, that yes, there can be damage because of impact. Um, and then we're assuming we're following Shemuel that impact matters. When the Betin declares that someone is liable to capital punishment through stoning, uh, stoning, we don't take that literally that everyone throws stones upon him, but rather uh, the Betin will take him up to a roof that's two stories high. Um, and there's a, that's the Mishnah says. And the Braita says, and also you could add the height of that very person. When it says two, two stories high, I mean, the simple reading sounds like it's two floors. Well, you know, how, how big is a floor, whatever, um, you know, eight feet um, or so. Uh, but then we're adding the height of the person himself. So that from there, it sounds like we're talking about three heights of people. Harekan shalosh, right? Let's say six feet about for each, and so eighteen feet high. Um, uh, that's where his head would be, and we he's thrown down, um, and uh, he his impact uh, hits the floor, and uh, if he dies from that, then that is stoned. If not, then they throw stones upon him after. That's the way it's done. Now, if you think that there is such a thing as damage from impact, even less than 10 tefachim, then why do you have to go all the way that so high, three stories high, uh, three man heights high? Uh, why do you have to go so much? Just uh, push him off a small ledge because you said, Rav Nachman, that it, there is a, a, a damage even um, a less than 10 tefachim. So Rav Nachman has an easy answer. This is okay, and according to you, so what, what do you say? Everyone agrees that 10 tefachim is high enough that it causes significant damage, even death. So then why don't you throw him off just a 10 tefach uh, 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 thing? And, uh, and then see what happens, right? I mean, that's, uh, uh, right, because even according to you, uh, 10 tefachim is sufficient, so it wouldn't have to be 18 feet high. 
אלא כדרב נחמן, דאמר רב נחמן, אמר אבו, אמר כרב, אהבתה לרחה כמוך, ולא לא מיתה יפה. Rather, we have to answer according to everyone, whether you follow רב נחמן, that less than 10 תפחים does cause significant impact, or you follow everybody else, it has to be 10 תפחים or more. No matter what, 10 תפחים is not going to be sufficient for capital punishment, because of something רב נחמן himself said, in the name of Abba Abu, that you have to love your fellow as yourself. How, what, how, the, one of the applications of this is that even enduring capital punishment, we're taking an evildoer, we're putting him away, and we're giving capital punishment, still the, way, the method of uh, capital punishment should be in the best way, uh, one that is the most compassionate. Even someone on death row uh, deserves compassion in the way he is being killed, and therefore if you uh, push him off a short ledge, He's not going to die very quickly. Maybe he'll just break his arm or something, and then they're going to have to throw stones. It's going to be a prolonged process, and that's not, that's not a way to treat one's fellow man. Instead, we want it to be high up, uh, right? Some 18, 20 feet high, so that it's more likely that he will die quickly, and that's the reason, right? It's true. Ten tefachim could kill an animal that falls into a pit, even less may cause injury. That's significant impact. But for capital punishment, we want to be, really be sure that he dies quickly because, right, that's, that's a, a way of showing our love to our neighbor. Wait a second, if so, why don't you make it even more? Why don't you throw him 100 feet high? Throw him off a cliff? Throw him off the Empire State Building? Then wouldn't that be so much nicer to see? You want to be nice to people. Do him a favor. And they said, no, that's not doing him a favor. Because then it will be, the body will be disfigured. It'll be splat on the floor all over. And that's just too much. That's not necessary. We want to find the right balance uh, between the death that will be quick and not prolonged and injury, but that will keep the body intact as much as possible um, so that uh, the body, uh, the human body, which is uh, holy in God's image, will not be disgraced. Okay, very interesting. Anyway, so we solved that problem uh, because the capital punishment requirement is completely different from the injury and, uh, and death requirement in a board. So third question, that says a person has to uh, build a fence on his roof. Um, because if he doesn't, then someone may fall off of it. Me menu will fall off the roof onto the ground, and you then you'll bring blood upon your house by doing that. Now the, that that's the pasuk. Midrash is me menu. We're worried that he will fall off the roof from the roof and onto the ground, but not betocho, not onto the roof. Now how could you fall onto a roof? Well, it would be, for example. If someone has a home that's dug underground, like a basement, but it's open to the street, and he can fall off of ground level down onto the roof. Right? If someone has, is uh, living such that the ground level is above him, and his roof is dug down under the ground, um, you can have this in uh, like a sloped area. Um, uh, where you're, you know, you're digging something into the mountain on the side of a mountain, and so someone above may fall below onto the roof. In that case, the homeowner is exempt. He doesn't. His responsibility is not to put a fence up on the on the street level uh, higher up, so people don't fall onto his roof. That's not his problem. However, if his roof goes up and uh, uh, like a usual house, and the street level is ten tefachim or more below the roof, and someone falls because he didn't put a fence, then he is liable. That's the braita. Here's the question. Okay, forget about the one, the, the basement one, just in a regular case. Why does it say here in this Braita that the has to be that the roof is at least 10 tefachim above? If there is significant impact, even with less than 10, then it should you should require to put a fence, even if it's less than 10 tefachim high. Even if you have just a small ledge or a, a low, low porch, you have to put on there also. And the answer is, no, here, this is a law about a house. And this the definition of a house is that it has to be at least 10 tefachim. How could you live in a, in a house that the roof is less than tefachim high? You can't even fit in it. 
says similar to a sukkah. Although interestingly, regarding sukkah, when they ask why does it have to be ten tefachim high as the minimal sukkah, it brings a completely different answer uh, that it's the height of the aron and the kaporet. There, that analogy seems to be saying that the uh, sukkah is a holy space and trying to analogize it with the aron kodesh. Um, that's a beautiful derasha. But here, the simple thing uh, uh, here is that uh, a home has to be livable. You can't even stand in the home, but at least you can crouch in it. If it's less than ten tefachim, then you wouldn't be able to even crouch and or sit in it. Um, so that's why, because if it, the law is a is a home law, and it's not a home if there's not ten tefachim of space of living space under the roof. Hold on. If your definition for when you have to put a fence on is that you need ten tefachim of empty space, well then, a ten tefach high roof won't help because you have to allow, yeah, uh, um, if it's from the outside, right, there's a out, outside measurements are different from inside measurements. If you ever worked with an architect, um, then you'll know that. Um, the walls the walls take up space, the ceiling take, takes up space. So from the outside, it won't be 10 because you're going to have to remove the ceiling and the plaster. And even a 10 tefach high building from the outside will be less than 10 tefachim on the inside. So that means that kind of structure should not require a roof. So, Nachman's uh, answer is, no, we're talking about where the inside is hollowed out. It might be hollowed down an extra uh, couple of tefachim, uh, or whatever, however many inches. If the roof is uh, five inches uh, thick, then uh, we're digging down five inches also. So that altogether, there is a uh, ten tefachim inside, and so in that situation, you'd need to put a fence. We ask, As if so, if you're going to count the inside space, well then, you can even have a situation where outside, there is less than 10 uh, tefachim high, but inside is because you dug even more down. Let's say you dig uh, five tefachim down, and then the height is only, you know, six tefach above ground. And uh, so that's a pretty low roof. What then you're going to have to put, um, put a, a, a fence on it, even though it's closer to the ground, just because in the inside you dug down. That does not make sense. So we go back to the drawing board and, uh, and, and say, you know what? Just like the, with that house, it has to be 10 tefachim above the ground in order for one to be liable because the significant impact is defined as at least 10 tefachim above the ground. Less than 10 tefachim above the ground, there is not impact, right? We just don't worry about that. It does not cause a death. It does not even cause injury. So, Rav Nachman, why was he machmir in the case back where back that we started with when an animal fell that, and it was only six tefachim that it fell down, and he said there may be injuries. See, in that case, you can't say it's fumes um, because he's worried about terefa. Fumes are not going to make it be a terefa. Um, only if it has a, a, a um, internal organ damage, external also, but you can see that. We're talking about a case where you can't tell from the outside, so we're worried that impact will have caused um, its lung or one of its organs to be damaged so that it would be terefa. So in such a case, you can't say it's because of fumes, uh, rather it has to be because of impact. And yet, Rav Nachman said, even with six tefachim, we do have to suspect that there is in, in impact of injury. We said before, it's because he thinks that even less than ten tefachim can cause damage. But that didn't work because it, we could not, we had that third source that we could not reconcile. So we go back to the drawing board. It's actually, look at, there's actually more space because from the belly of the ox to the ground is how much? Four tefachim, right? Go measure it. We're talking about an ox that's walking and then it trips. It is already Already four tefachim of space between it and the ground level. And how deep is this uh, water channel? It's six. You add four plus six and you get ten. So when it hits the ground, when its belly hits the ground, that's what we're worried about. That will have internal damage in um, in its uh, torso when its belly hits the ground. It's falling from a height 
of ten tefachim, including the height from its uh, of standing up from its legs. And so, in fact, even Rav Nachman agrees that impact uh, damage because of impact is only from ten tefachim and above. If something happens less than ten tefachim, it could be injured from fumes, but there's no such thing as any significant impact causing death or injury. Um, from impact if it's less than 10. Good. Now wait a second. Now we just have a follow-up question on that. In the Mishnah, it's, it said, okay, we gave an example of bor um, that has to be deep enough that it can kill. That's ten tevachim. So too, any other t- type of ditch and hole in the ground has to be deep enough that it can kill, which is to, uh, ten tevachim. Why is saying that? Why don't you say six tefachim? Because if you include the height of the belly of the animal, that's already four, so then it should be uh, even six should be enough to kill it. Uh, the answer is that the Mishnah is assuming a case where the animal rolled into the pit. If it's rolling, it's on its back as it falls in, so it's already on the ground level. In that case, you need ten tefachim uh, of depth within the pit because then it has to fall that far. But you're right. If it was standing and walking, um, then it already has four tefachim of height. And so in that case, if the board was only six tefachim deep, that would add up to ten and the owner would still be liable. Next Mishnah, Bor shel shne shutafin avad alav rishon velo kisahu, vasheni velo kisahu hasheni chayav. If you have a pit that belongs to two partners, the Gemara will discuss how you can share a pit. And the, the one of the partners passed by and did not cover it. And then the second one passed by and also did not cover it. Only the second guy is liable. This is like whoever uses the milk last is responsible to put it back in the refrigerator. Um, so to here, um, although if, if the second guy had never passed by, the first one would be responsible. But once the second guy passes by... And uh, he, he owns the pit, um, uh, shared ownership of the pit. And so once he passes by and neglects to cover it, so he then becomes fully responsible. How could you have a case of a shared pit? If we follow Rabbi Akiva, who says that a pit in private domain, uh, one is liable for, so then it's very easy. Uh, you have uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you have a pit that belongs to uh, a, a that is in a courtyard that belongs to both of them. Two people share a courtyard, and they have a pit in there and then they make ownerless the land so that people can walk on it but they did not um, make ownerless the pit itself and therefore now they're allowing people to come and walk and uh, they uh, were and and even leaving this but even though they're leaving this hazard so that's the case where um, you can have a pit that's owned by two people. But if we follow Rabbi Ishmael who says that a uh, a pit in a private domain one is not liable for. So where is one liable for a pit? According to Bishmael, one is only liable if the pit is in the public domain. But how could you have shared ownership in the public domain? It's not like they can both uh, share the street. Nobody owns the street. Maybe you'll say two people together hire. They each um, paid 50 bucks together and they said to someone, here, take this $100 and uh, dig a pit in the middle of the street on our behalf. Then that does not work because we have a principle. There is no agency for a sin. If uh, someone asks you to do a sin and you do it, you are responsible. The agent is responsible, not the sender. So in this case, if someone fell in, the guy who dug it would be responsible, not the people who um, paid him to do so. And if you have uh, uh, two people, one digs five tefachim, and the other one comes along and digs five tefachim, and that's how they share it, that doesn't work either because it's the second person that digs uh, that is responsible because the second one that digs um, 
is the one that takes uh, takes all the responsibility. Once he digs another five, then the the actions of the first one are ignored because it's the second one that now made it uh, as deep as it is, and the first one's not responsible at all. Now this very topic about uh, digging some one person digging somewhat and the second person digging more is actually subject to a machloket, and we can have a partial answer depending on which side of the machloket we have. Uh, but first, we have to read the whole thing. I'm going to read all these paragraphs because we need the third paragraph to understand the first one. So we say, uh, we have an easy case according to the B if we follow Nezik. Now, what did they say? It's this Braita. Um, this is what the B and Rabbanan argue about. Um, if one person comes along and digs nine tefachim, and then the second person uh, digs one more tefach to make it a full, uh, a full amount of ten, the second one is liable. Only the second one is liable fully for for anything, whether it gets dam- damage happens or death happens to the ox that comes that falls in, only the second one is liable. That's the opinion of Rabbanan. Rabbi, however, disagrees. And he says, it's true, I agree in part. If the animal dies, well, that's only because of the second one. It was only nine. Nine doesn't kill. Ten deep kills. And so you, the second guy, you made it ten. So you're fully responsible only for the death. However, if it only gets damaged, well, a, bit, a pit that's even less, that's less than 10, even if it were only 9, it could, da- it could get damaged. And therefore, both of them are responsible. Even the one who only dug 9, that could cause damage. And then you made a 10, that's even, that, make, that made it a little bit worse. Uh, both are responsible. That's the opinion of the B. So, back to our question. How can we have a joint own, jointly owned pit in the Shutarabim, well, we can have it according to the B. If uh, only injury happened, then because both are responsible in that case, as we just said. But if the animal died, according to the B, then only the second one's responsible. And according to the Banan, whether it died or whether it got injured, only the second one is responsible. So, how could you ever have a case where you have joint responsibility for a pit? And the Biochanan answers, oh, we're talking about a case where they jointly extracted a chunk of earth simultaneously, right? They're digging, digging, digging. And then at the bottom, there's this big chunk of earth that makes it the final thing. And they both take it out to make it 10 tefachim. And so therefore, uh, since they did it together at the same time, they are both responsible. That's the case of the Mishnah that um, the, whoever doesn't cover it last is the one that will end up being responsible. Good. Now that we mentioned this, Baraita, let's find the source. How does Rabbana know that only the second one is liable? Since the Pasuk has doubled and says, if someone opens a pit or if he digs a pit, why do I need both? If he's liable just by uncovering a pit, certainly he's liable if he digs a pit. Oh, so the double language instead comes to teach me that if someone digs nine and then someone digs a more uh, ten, um, that the the second digger undoes the the action of the first and the second one is fully responsible. That's the opinion of Rabbanan. Wait said we already used this double language. Remember in the previous daf where we used it to teach that. A shod, a, a, a board in the Shut Rabim is one who is responsible. You don't also have to own the land. So we already used this up. Uh, so good question. Also, they also use this for that other teaching. So we cannot use it here again. So back to the drawing board. Rabbanan actually learned their halacha from the following. Pasuk says, if a man, in singular, so only one person can be responsible, not two people. That's why it has to be the second and not the first. Nabi says, no, I need that word ish to teach me that only if a human digs a pit, the human is liable. But if someone's ox digs a pit, the owner of the ox is not liable. So I already used that for something else. Rabbanan says, actually says the word ish twice. Um, ki ish and ki ish. 
So I, I can use one for this and one for that. Rabbi said, no, you can't learn from that. I said one, one ish to teach me only if a human digs it and not if an ox digs it. But then it has to be parallel. Once it says ish, uh, ish and then kiftach ish, it just has to it has to say ish again just because it wouldn't be syntactically correct if you didn't have it there. But I can't learn anything from it. Now, okay, fine. I have, I, I know that um, it says ish, uh, and that's how we know that uh, when one, uh, someone, uh, the second person is also liable, right? That one person is liable, ish, not one and not two. But how do you know which one? Maybe only the first one is liable. How do you know the second guy who dig it, dug it more is liable? Because in the rest of the pasuka says, the carcass will be it belongs to him. Now, who's him? Obviously, the one who caused it to uh, to die. That would be the second one who dug it more, and because of him, uh, it dies. So he gets all the all he gets the carcass because he has to pay fully. So it makes sense. Hold on, you're learning from this section of the Pasuk that he keeps the carcass. We already used that for a different Rasha as Rabbah taught. If you have an ox that the ox that fell in was was muktashin. It was de- declared to be uh, uh, a sacrifice, but then it got a blemish in it. In which case, you can't make it as a sacrifice, but the owner also cannot use it. So it's a it's something that cannot be has has um, restrictions on how it can be used. If that's the one that fell in, then the owner of the pit, the digger, does not have to pay because the pasuk says, and the carcass will be his. Only in a case where the digger can keep the carcass and use it for himself, then he has to pay. But in a case like this, where there are restrictions on the use of the carcass, in that case, the digger does not have to pay. That's what we learned from here. So I already used it for something else. I can't use it for this. The sages could say, listen, you know what? Fine, I'll agree with that. I don't need a pasuk because this is just logical that the one that caused it to die, the one that dig it, dug it more so that now it's uh, it's ten tefachim, and now it can die. It makes sense that that person would be the one responsible. So from all I need is a pasuk that says ish to say that one person is responsible, not two. And now if you're going to choose between the two, it's not going to be the first because he only dug it nine. Obviously, it's going to be the second because he dug it more. Tenor Rabbanan. Now we're going to extend this to uh, see how it applies to other cases of two people, one digging uh, somewhat and other digging more. One person comes and may and digs ten. So already at that point, it can kill. Um, so it's different from the one before where one made it nine and the second one made it ten. Here, the first one already made it ten. The second one just came and made it twenty. But already at 10, it could have killed. And then the third person comes, and he made it 30. And then something falls in and dies. All of them are liable because the, even if just with the first one, that was sufficient to cause it to die. Now, we have a contradiction. If someone, one person, digs a pit, that's 10. That already can kill. The second one came and added plaster and cement. Um, uh, uh, but which, as we're going to see, adds fumes, but um, it keeps the level the same. The second one only is liable. Well, why is the second one only liable? So how come it's not the same as this case where if you have two people, if you made it 10 and then 20, both can kill, so both are liable here also. One guy made it 10, the other one kept it 10 and added, added cement and fumes, so, but it's the, 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 the first one should also be liable. Um, because he made it 10. So how can we deal with this contradiction? Well, a few ways. We can say that the first B'dayta is the opinion of the B, who says that uh, uh, multiple people are liable, and the second one is, uh, the second one is Rabbanan, who say, no, only the last one is liable, and he says it not only in the case where it was 9 plus 1, but even if it was 10 plus cement, he would say, not liable, or the second, only the second one is liable in all cases. Amar of Zivid, ha veha Rabbanan. Now Zivid, I have another answer. I can explain all of them according to Rabbanan. Ad kan lakamir Rabbanan acharon chayav elahecha dela avad kama shiur mita. Rabbanan only said patur 
in the previous case where it was nine plus one um, because the first guy did not dig it sufficiently that it would cause death. Only the second guy did that. So that's why the first guy is off the hook. But if, but in the case where one guy made it 10 and then the other guy made it 20, already by uh, the time it was 10, um, it could have it could have killed. So even the rabbis would agree that um, everybody, the 10, 20, and 30 guys, they're all liable. Wait a second. That explains the first one. But how about the second one? In the second Beraita, also, the first guy dug it 10, so he should be liable also. But then Beraita said only the second guy who added cement is chayab. Why? If this is, if Rabbanan would agree. Um, that the if the first guy causes a death trap, then uh, he sh- he's liable also. Or there we're talking about a case where the first uh, what the first guy who dug at ten, uh, yeah, he's true he dug at ten, but there were no fumes in it, not fumes that would cause a death. So really, that would not have caused the death. The second guy came and by adding cement that caused a lot of fumes, and they, he's the one uh, is solely responsible. So this actually does fit into the formula. Um, uh, and assuming that it did die from the fumes, um, so then we can see that the, only the second guy was responsible. Or a third way of reconciling two. But I taught Amar Zavid have a to be both of them are to be that says that multiple people can be. Chayav, uh, even if it's nine and one, so certainly if it's ten, twenty, and thirty, all will be liable. Hatekatani kulan chayavin shapir, so that makes sense. Hatekatani acharon chayav. The second baraita, this is only the second guy, the cement guy is chayav. Why? Kegon shelo chayav bohevel lo lemitav lo lenzakin. The bacher veosif bohevel ben lemitav ben zakin. Talking about a case similarly that the first guy when he dug ten. It did not have fumes, not fumes that would cause death, or not even for damage. So therefore, that guy's off the hook. He didn't cause, it wouldn't cause anything. Right? We're assuming here, like uh, Rav, that impact doesn't do anything. Right? He's not liable for impact, but only for fumes. And here, there were no fumes. The second guy added uh, cement, added fumes, both whether for to kill it or fumes to damage it, and that's why only the second guy is liable in that case. Now Rava says another variation. What if um, there was some someone? Uh, there was a pit. One guy made it nine. A second guy comes instead of digging down another one, he puts stones on the top. So that he elevates the opening, the the uh, rim of the pit one tefach. Now the person that falls in will, you know, he'll have to he'll have to uh, step on that ledge and then fall. He, he will still fall ten. Um, but it didn't not by going down, but go by going up. Rava says this is the same machloket as the other case. There's no difference. Rabbi would say. The, that both of them are uh, both of them are liable, and Rabbanan would say only the second guy is liable. The Gemara asks, Peshita, is not obvious? Why would this, why would you think that this case would be different than the standard case? Because I might have thought only when you dig down, you dig nine and then another down, uh, where that when you don't go down, that's where the bad fuel are so you could say that the guy that added another tefach it's his fumes by called by going down one is what killed him but you might have thought that if you go above ground and add a ledge where there's no fumes then the uh, the second guy would not be liable and therefore has to teach us that even if you go up it's the second guy that will be uh, the second guy is liable um, both for um, uh, Rabbi and Rabbanan. They both hold the second guy liable, and uh, so that's the chidush. And uh, in that case, Rabbi would hold also the first guy liable, and Rabbanan would say no. Once the second guy comes, the first guy is off the hook. But both think that going up and going extra uh, more down is the same. Ba'edava, Rava has one more dilemma uh, on this subject. Tam tefach v'silek avanav mahu. You had the first guy came and he made a nine tefach uh, hole, and now a second guy comes and he digs it ten, uh, one more, but then he closes it back up. 
Or if he, there was nine before, he came and added a rim of stones above, making it ten, but then he removed the stones. So he made it worse, but then he undid what he did. Right? Control Z, undo. So does it count? Mahu, miamrinan, maidabad shakleh. Do we say what he put, he removed. So it's as if he never came, and therefore only the first guy is responsible and not the second guy. Oh, dilma nistaliku maase rishon vekamale kule brishute teko. Or do we say that once the second guy gets involved, so then the responsibility of the first guy leaves and only the second guy is responsible. That's it. Once he digs 10 or adds a rim, he's responsible. And just because he changes it back after does not help him. And we leave this question standing. Next, we're going to bring up even more variations on cases um, with pits, and this time we're going to add water as a factor. Uh, water is going to add more fumes, uh, the stuff that uh, grows in the water and will cause uh, lethal fumes. If you have a, a, a pit that's only eight tevachim deep, but Two of those eight are filled with water, one is liable. Why? Because every one tefach of water counts as two of empty space. Um, again, because uh, water is going to have uh, who knows, algae and stuff growing in it, that's going to cause bad fumes, doubly, twice as bad as empty space. Okay, so that we know, um, if in that ratio, right, 8 and 2 um, is going to uh, add up to 10. Uh, 8, of which 2 is, t- uh, is, is water. The water counts as double. But what about other ratios? Is it the same? Let's say have 9 tefachim deep and 1 tefach of water. Um, so the question is, do we say that, well, there's not so much water, so there's less, uh, less um, uh, fumes. Maybe only in the previous case where there's two tefachim of water, that has a lot of fumes, and we count each one as double. But here, where there's less, less water, maybe it's less than double. Uh, so it would not be uh, well, would not be liable. Or on the other hand, it's true there's only one tefach of water, but there's an extra tefach of empty space. Now there's nine of empty space. Um, so, uh, and um, and uh, there's not eight of empty space and one of water. And so that there's nine, there's nine, there's nine tefachim altogether. One of them is water. So since there's nine tefachim altogether, there's it's deeper than this one, which was only eight. So maybe that is equal to the extra tefach of water here, and the ratio still counts um, because it's deeper. And so one tefach will count as two, and then one would be liable. A good question. Bor shiva umehen shiloshatevachim ma'im mahu, or what if we go the other way? Uh, the whole thing is seven tevachim deep, and three of the seven is um, is water. Do we say we still keep the one to two ratio, and the three tefachim of water counts double, and that therefore it's the same as ten. And that would kill, and one is liable. Or do we say, yeah, but it's not as deep as this one, right? You need depth also. And if it's not as deep, even though there's a lot of water, it will not kill. Take all, we leave these two questions unresolved. What if um, uh, the first person has makes something that's 10 tefach? Second person comes along and makes it wider. What about that guy? So the response is, Rav Shizbi asked Rabba. So Rabba answers, oh, that well, he made less fumes because now that it's wider, the fumes can spread out more and be dissipated. And so he, the second one is not liable. He, in fact, improved the situation. But Rav Shizbi says, no, opposite. He brought the hazard closer, right? Let's say he digs it on the north side. So now any animal coming from the north side 
um, will will fall in sooner. He might not have fallen in if he didn't extend the width. So he makes he is responsible. So Rav comes to make a compromise between these two. He says, you're both right. Well, let's see. It depends how the animal dies. If it dies from fumes, well then, he made the fumes less. So the second guy should not be liable, only the first guy. But if it died out of impact, well then, this guy caused the hole to be closer to where the animal is walking and made it easier for it to fall in. And so the second guy would be liable. Or, another version of We see, if it, if it walked, if the animal walked from the north side where he extended its width, then he caused it to fall. It might, otherwise, it might not have fallen at all. So then the second guy is responsible. But, if it fell from a, if it came from the south side and didn't where he didn't change the edge of the border of the board there, uh, then um, uh, the second guy would not be liable because by extending it on the other side he actually decreased the fumes and so is not liable. So what if you have a pit that's exactly uh, the depth is exactly equal to the width? It's a square. Um, what about that ratio in terms of fumes? So this is going to be a machloket between Rabah and Rav Yosef, both of whom quote their teacher Rabah Bar Bar who was quoting Rabbi Maneh. These names are going to come up again in the very next statement. So anyway, there's a machloket of the students, what the teacher said between Rabah and Rav Yosef. One of them, One said that there, uh, a pit will have uh, fumes unless its uh, width is greater than its depth. Um, if it's uh, greater than, if the width is greater than the depth, then it's okay. That means if it's equal, then it's liable, it's a problem. However, the other version says, This one says, no, there is no problem of fumes unless the depth is greater than the width. So if it's equal, uh, then this is, uh, then it's okay. Right? It's, only a, it's only a problem. Um, uh, right? It, it, uh, there is no hevel unless, so there is hevel if, this is a double negative, um, uh, there is hevel if its depth is greater greater than the width, but if it's not, if it's equal, then it's um, it's okay, and the owner would not be liable. Okay, now, back to the Mishnah, the first one, uh, now, uh, back to this, this one that they both dug, let's say they dug it together, um, at the same time, they pulled out the last uh, tefach together, the first guy passed it, did not cover it, the second guy did not, the second partner uh, did not cover it, only the second one is liable. So we ask, from at which point exactly does the first is the first guy no longer liable? When do they transfer the chain of responsibility at precisely what moment? Okay, same attributions, uh, same two students who have two different versions of what their teacher said. The first opinion says, when the when it's when the first partner leaves, when he walks away, while the second guy is using it. Okay, so it's when he walks away, that's it, that's all, it's all yours. Whereas the other opinion says, it's when he takes the bucket and transfers the bucket. Here, okay, now I was using it, now you are using it, even if he is um, still standing there. Okay, this machloka uh, between these two students parallels the machloka between two tanaim. patur. One person is drawing up water from a cistern, and the second person comes and says, I would like to draw also. Um, so uh, once the first person leaves the once the first person leaves as while the second person is using the cistern, 
That's it. He's patur. So that's the point that he leaves the um, the area. Where that's the nakama. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer Mishim Sor Lo Dilio. Rabbi Eliezer says it's when he conveys the bucket. He gives the bucket to the second person, even if he is still standing there. So you see that this is exactly the same language. So um, these the machoket amoraim and tanaim are parallel. Be'may kami palge. What is at the root of their machloket? Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Sabad Yesh Berera. Hi medide ka memale vahai medide ka memale. Rabbi Eliezer Yaakov says there is designation. Uh, whether this has to be retroactive designation or not is discussed by the Rishonim. But the point is that we we view the water in the pit as if it's separated. Right? This is half is your water, half is your water and person A whatever he draws up right this is now designated as his own water and whatever is uh, drawn by the second guy is drawn is designated all as the second guy's water so if, if the water inside is um, you know split up itself it will be retroactive if well it's all mixed up so whatever you end up drawing that's yours meaning at the time that you you are drawing water it's your pit. So all, so the only uh, significant thing is who has the bucket. Um, so once I pass the bucket to you, so then that's it. It leaves my, it leaves mine, um, and now and now it uh, and now whatever you draw is going to be yours. And that's why passing the bucket is a significant act. Whereas Rabbanan Sabre and Berera, Rabbanan say all the water is jointly shared by both of us, and therefore as long as I'm still standing around, I am there, and so I will be responsible. Even though you're drawing the, who cares who's drawing the water? As long as we're both there. It's our joint water, so we're both responsible. If I want to not have responsibility, I have to leave the area, and then you're the only one there. So that's why you are responsible, because the water itself does not get retroactively designated. The machloket here regarding the uh, whether we uh, we um, designate the the water as two parts or it's shared matches the machloket between these same two tanaim in another mishnah in Masechet Nedarim. That if you have two uh, partners, they both own a, a, a yard together, and they make a vow that uh, says, I'm not going to have any benefit from you, and you, and the other one also says, no, I'm not going to have any benefit from you. So then each not allowed to have any ben- benefit for each other. Tanakama says, they both can't go into the yard, because if I go into the yard, I'm benefiting from, from your share of the yard, and vice versa versa. That's Tanakama who says um, berera, that we're not, it's not retroactively designated. We both own all of the yard. But Rabbi Elizabeth ben Yaakov um, uh, says that I can go to my part and you go to your part. I'll enter and wherever I enter I'll go to this 50% of it until this line. So that will be retroactively designated as mine and the part that you use will be retroactively designated as yours, and thereby I am not benefiting from you, and you are not benefiting from me. As the Gemara explains, what's the essence of their machloket? says, we do retroactively designate that this now is my land, my half, and that is your half. We put a piece of tape down the middle, whereas Rabbanan says, no, you can't retroactively designate um, uh, it um, at the top time when you buy it, you can say, I'm going to use this part, but not that part. But now, just because you made a nedet against each other, we uh, we don't retroactively say, this is yours and this is mine. Rather, the whole thing is, is owned jointly by both, and therefore neither can en- enter any part of the yard. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve'amen.